Welcome to the BNP Realm Podcast. Thank you again for joining me. This is your host, Brian. B is for books, biking on berms, bisco, and babbling. This is a long episode, so I'll try to keep this short. It's been a weekend here in Japan, with the desire to stem the rise of the coronavirus shutting down many aspects of the culture. I'll be posting a blog post on my Medium account about all of this soon. A bit of business. If you are on Facebook, you can join the BNP Realm podcast page, or if you are on Twitter, please follow me at BNP Realm Pod. I post these episodes as well as links to other media, such as the aforementioned Medium blog posts on both places. Also, and I know you've probably heard this on other podcasts, so I won't say it every week, I promise. But please, take the time to go to iTunes and rate and review the show, especially the ratings. That helps it with the exposure, and the more exposed we get, the more naked we feel. Seriously, though, the more this project becomes a we thing and not a me thing, the better the product will be for all of us. Okay, that's enough. This episode was recorded on Leap Day, Saturday, February 29th, and finds me out and about and just yakking, the way only I can yak. Now that I've been freed from teaching classes in the public schools, I'm going to work on making some episodes that are more focused. That said, I think one of my gifts is my ability to bounce around the trampoline of my wild mind and somehow keep things, well, reasonably coherent. Let me know what you think. Okay, without any further ado, enjoy the show. So I never know what order these things are going to go in, but this actually is recorded after what you're going to hear on this week's podcast. Um, I'm in a toilet right now in a public park, and I want to be a journalist for the 2020s, and I want to report to you as honestly and with as much integrity as I can what I observe and the thought I just had outside was, and you're going to hear this a little bit on the podcast just by some of the emotions I go through, that the 2020s are pretty schizophrenic. And I think in order to fully appreciate them and report them correctly, I'm going to have to allow that within myself. I'm going to have to allow myself to feel giddy one moment and sad the next. Um, right now, I was outside near this park, kind of slowly down because I've got to go pee, which I've already done. I'm sitting on the toilet, and uh, I do good thinking on the toilet. <laughs> and I was watch. I stopped because there was a next to the on the left side of the bike road. I'm bike. I'm out cycling today. On the left side, there was a bunch of const- like. Trees have been cut up, some really big trees. Uh, maybe I'll use that. I've taken a bunch of photos on this little journey today, so maybe that will be the cover. And it was near a temple. It looks like a former temple. I took a picture and then started to come down to the park. And there was an old guy who had been watching, and he had walked away, but I kind of ran back into him. And I said, you know, what, what, what was that before? And he's like, I was like, was it a temple? He's like, I'm not really sure. And so we started talking and I said, yeah, like, you know, along this whole river here, they're doing all this, 
all these trees are taken out and like, you know, I really love trees and it's, you know, makes me kind of sad. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I understand. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I don't really know what they're doing. He's like, yeah, me too. Uh, but it just made me reflect that, you know, I think to be honest, to record and be an honest reporter, I'm going to have to allow myself to feel and allow, and hopefully those of you listening will be um, patient with me and allow me to feel those emotions because I'm not going to um, refuse them. I'm going to accept them as they come within me. Uh, because, you know, I think the, this decade is, this this is a decade where it's, it's going to be an emotional decade. And, you know, I'm willing to express those and feel those in order to be as good of a person and as good of a reporter as I can in my work for you and uh, to, for my own standards. Okay, so now the podcast coming up. Uh, please enjoy it. Um, I'll probably have an official intro before this, but I've got to finish my toilet duties here, and I'll be back off. And I think I'm going to listen to some music now, because I'm kind of a little bit, yeah, you can hear it. I'm a little bit down about that, because um, I love the trees, and I like the old temples here, and it's going to be harder to breathe, and just trees are beautiful creatures, and you know... If we're killing them and chopping them down, I just hope there's a good reason for it. That's all. Okay. All right. Enjoy the show. And I apologize for starting off in kind of a down mode. Um, but I think this show you're going to have some fun with. Okay. Thanks. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Is there any motherfucking wind? Pardon my French. We're trying a new thing here. We're sitting here in nature, the edge of a bike trail. But I got my phone inside my bag, talking into it, trying to protect it from the wind, you see. You're going to hear me zip it up. I'm going to protect it even more. You see? It's for you, Mr. Ian. You see? Because I don't want people, even myself, because you see, I listen back to these podcasts to make sure they sound all right. I don't want people to have to hear that noise of the wind but i also want to record when i'm out biking the bnp realm if you notice on the cover there the very first thing you see is a guy on a bike that's what bicycle b stands for besides brian his bicycle besides b for bisco and books i haven't talked about books very much yet but i will but right now i want to talk about b for bisco because i was biking and listening to bisco and I'm talking in my Irish lilt. Everything's got to have an up at the end when you're talking in Irish style. Because even though the weather is dreary, we got to be happy. <laughs> you know, I'm not that great at accents, but I love them. And I love uh, trying them, making a fool of myself, having fun with them, and basically showing people that have them. Because I got an accent. We all got an accent. But I love them. I love your accent. And Irish is one of my favorites. I listened to a whole series of books. Hey, let's talk about books for a second before I get to Visco. A good audiobook series that I was recommended by my mother, who is a good reader and a good recommender, who learned this from a woman named, I believe this was a Nancy Pearl recommendation, a librarian out of Seattle. And Nancy likes to recommend books that she says just have a good 
gift of language, and she recommended this series of detective books. The main character's name is Sean Duffy. Duffy! There's a, a captain, a captain that often calls him into the office, and he's like, I think this is in like probably, there's like a six books in the series, I believe. Around, spoiler alert, around book three or four, there's a new captain. He's kind of a little bit snooty, but he's, when he calls him in the office, he's like, Duffy! <laughs> uh, that guy. Anyway, the, the guy that reads it, his name is Gerard, Gerard Doyle, I believe, and he does a great job with, you know, he's Irish, I believe, Doyle. Does a great job with the accents, and uh, I like that the writing is good. The stories are pretty good. It's good mystery, good detective stuff, and uh, it's all set in like the Irish Northern Ireland in the 1980s during the Troubles. <laughs> and just listening for me, I would put it on when I did my gardening, my gardening, and uh, just listening to it, just for the accents alone was great. And so, yeah, I love the Irish accent. I remember my mom recommended this one. When I was visiting in summer of 2018, and I was like, oh, Irish detective. I like detective stories, especially by audiobook. Um, and I was like, Irish? Well, that's, I like Irish accents. Let's give it a, I checked out the sample, and I was like 10 seconds in. I'm like, I'm buying it. <laughs> and I spent the next, from like that summer, 2018, like late summer, probably the next, I think until about last yeah, probably about a year, I guess. I listened to all six of those during that time. Anyway, I love the Irish accent. So there's some wind coming up. I'm going to listen back here. I'm going to stop this, and then I'll, I'll start again. We're going to listen back here and see how bad the wind is, because I hate that fucking wind. You guys, nobody, nobody gives me any feedback anymore, so I don't know how much it's annoying you all. But when I listen back, I'm like, when she'll get rid of the wind? So I'm trying. I'm really trying. But I ain't going to stop recording when I'm outside, because when I go on my trip to America... I ain't going to have a house, you see, so I'm going to have to record outside. So we're trying new stuff here. Here we go. I'm up on the top of the hill interrupting my... You're going to get a full long-ass clip here in a minute. And I start telling a story, and I lost my train of thought, and about audacity. You'll hear it. And the point of that story was that I used audacity make an mp3 project you know i took the song legalize it by peter tosh and using audacity i was able to like make a bunch of distortion and like i would play each verse i had a my mp3 project that i created was based on drugs and like songs that made you feel certain ways there was like the sugar section there was the marijuana section the marijuana section, I had legalize it. The wind is blowing. I'm trying to keep it out of the bag here or out of the, the podcast. The song legalize it. I had like I took I broke it down in like four or five parts. And each time you heard it, I I, I put the reverb up higher and higher. So the, the effect I was going for was by the end of listening to the marijuana session, you were really, really stoned. And that's the sort of stuff you can do on Audacity. So you're going to hear me talk about Audacity in a minute and then you're going to hear me say oh i lost my train of thought and i never get to the point of that because i would forgotten it and funnily enough i'm listening back to it right now to check how the sound quality is and i got near the end of it and i'm like what what was my point i forgot too so i lost a train of thought twice but now i remembered so here you go that's what you're gonna hear uh i won't do recordings like this for all of them but okay uh, i think it's a good clip though and we'll find out all right enjoy Okay, I listened back, 
and I'm really happy with how it sounded. There were a few little wind bursts. I will use on my Audacity uh, free application on the computer. If you, those of you out there like to play with audio and do audio recordings, I highly recommend Audacity. Audacity. Uh, check it out. A-U-D-A-C-I-T-Y. Very good. I've used it. I used it way back when, talking 13, 14 years ago, 2006, my friends and I used to make these things called MP projects where we would record songs and put them on a CD and share them, MP3s, with each other. So you'd get about seven hours of songs and... Some people, like the first year we did it was 2005. Uh, Sean Richards, I think, was the one who came up with this idea. I'm giving shout-outs that no one cares about, especially if you're listening back to this from the future. But anyway, a friend of mine from New Zealand came up with the idea. And I think he was one of the ones, he and another guy named Didier, who was an American of French and Persian descent. Crazy guy, liked to drink a lot. <laughs> Good guy, hippie at heart, but was always like cynical on the outside. But told me when he was drunk, he's like, Brian, you know, deep down, I really am a hippie. <laughs> um, but he was a good guy. And uh, either him or Sean did kind of more of a theme with their first one where I just put a bunch of stuff on my... Anyway, the second year I did a uh, more of like a theme where I broke things down. And folks, my mind kind of works this way where I get jumping around and I kind of lose my train of thought sometimes. Every once in a while, if I'm really in flow... I can remember where I'm going with things, but uh, I just lost that train of thought. Just lost it. Just lost it. It's been a weekend here. Um, I'll be sharing a blog post. And eventually, I'm going to, might even be this weekend, I'll be linking stuff up so when I talk about things, I will listen back and then I'll put them in the show notes and these sorts of things like, please bear with me. If you haven't been bearing with me, if you're listening right now, you are bearing with me. So I appreciate that. Because last I checked, like the biggest episode uh, listened so far has been like 15 people. So those of you who have listened thus far, and those of you listening from the future or the past, because we're all time travelers now, thank you for listening. But um, thank you for bearing with me. Um, right now I'm still building this. As I told my parents in a phone call today, or a, a Skype call, um, I'm like a guy in a garage with an acoustic guitar making my first albums. That's how I view this podcast right now. This is the infancy, and I'm just being experimental and letting it go. Anyway, so I came, um, you know, I listened back, and I was like, yeah, that's pre- that sounds pretty good. There's a few wind things, but on Audacity, you can do a thing called noise reduction. And I was like, all right, I'll just do the noise reduction, and it'll be fine. Um, every time I release these, except for, well, almost I think every podcast, the only exception was the one I released yesterday, the bonus, uh, Panic Pandemic. I run it through. I've got a few filters set up now that I run it through. It takes all of, I've got it down now where it takes all 30 seconds, but yesterday was such a, well, I was in a bit of a panic too, even though I don't think it sounds that way, but um, it was a weird morning waking up and all of a sudden realizing like I might be done with teaching forever, (laughs) forever. Uh, yeah, anyway, just, it was a weird day yesterday, um, so my flowing with time was a little off, uh, my father 
and I had a chat this morning and at the end he's like, you know, so I'm, I'm here, I'm going to explain this. So here I am sitting there. I told my mom yesterday, like they're 17 hours behind Seattle. And anytime you're doing these calls, when you live in overseas, you always have to think about time zones. And I was like, okay, like yesterday I was talking to my mom and I wanted to talk with them about 9am this morning, but she's like, how? And I, and I thought that was 2pm in Seattle because I did 17 hours, but I think I did, does this make sense? 17 plus 17 hours yeah because 17 plus 9 so you're still at 9 and then you go plus 5 12 o'clock is 3 yes yeah, so i was at okay 2 p.m but then she's like how about 3 so i'm like well that's my 10 a.m that's fine so there i am at 8 10 a.m this morning and i'm doing my little morning breathing exercise i've got an a.m routine i'm going to go over this at some point pretty soon got an a.m routine and i do these wim hof breathing things it takes that part takes about five minutes five to seven or eight minutes and I'm in the middle of the round one, and I just finished, and then all of a sudden I look down at the screen, and I see my mom say, this is 8, 10 a.m., we're ready to go. And I'm like, 8, 10, it's like, we got two hours, mom, like, I'm going to do this breathing, and then I was going to go have breakfast, and maybe take a short little bike ride, and come back at 10. Am I ready to go? And so I'm like, well, can I stop this app and answer her? Cause, and I was like, well, I've got to answer her. So I answered her and said, um, give me 10 minutes or something. And then I started, and the app had reset. I'm like, oh, crap. And, you know, I'm recording these because uh, I use the breathing to look at how long uh, each breath takes. Oh, sorry. You do the 30. I explained this in one of the past episodes. I don't want to repeat myself too much. Um, but after you do 30 in-breaths, out-breaths, 30 times, then you hold your breath. And on the app, you press it, and, like, it records how long you do it. And I was at round one. I'd finished that. I'd recorded it. To this morning, I was, like, at 150 after round one, which is really good. Like, usually I'm between, like, the lowest is, like, 120. That's when I know I didn't get enough sleep. Um, but usually it's between around 140 is kind of an average, 130, 140. So if I get 150, I'm like, yeah, I'm rested. I'm, go I'm good to go. And last night I did because this morning I was like, I don't got to get up for shit. So I got like seven hours sleep last night, which is a lot when I'm feeling up. So, uh, you know, I was like, all right, 150, I'm great. And my mom, you know, we're ready to go. And so I stopped it. Then I had to redo it. Long story short, got to the end and I was like, all right, mom, I want to do my full routine. Um, which is, you know, then there's like a five to eight, like an eight minute meditation and then an eight minute uh, Kundalini yoga thing, which I'll explain down the road. So it's like 20 minutes and I'm like, I want to just finish this. So eventually I was like, can I just have, can we start at like 845, you know, my 845, which is their 345. Um, and you know, she didn't answer, but I'm like, well, she didn't answer yes or no. So I'm just going to do it. And then eventually it turned out. We talked and we had a good talk and they're like, yeah, we don't, this is like, we don't have a lot of time. I'm like, that's fine. We just wanted to catch up because yesterday, you know, the schools shut down and it was a crazy day. And I'm like, we need to chat and, you know, um, I want to chat with you guys about the situation and stuff. So we decided to talk and anyway, but my dad, like we had a nice talk. And at the end, my dad just says something like, well, you know, okay, in the future, like, please try to consider that, you know, we have schedules over here too and all this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, dad, I, I understand. I'm like, I'm really good. I'm so good at being on time for shit. Like, I'm always a little early. Like, when there's something I have to be on time for, I am. Um, and, you know, I said, yeah, Dad, I'm sorry. I know you guys have a lot to do. And I said, I actually felt bad about that, which is why I interrupted my, my breathing thing to tell Mom, like, I'm sorry, give me 10 minutes. And then I was like, yeah, can I just have the full? Uh, but my, my dad told me the reason was, he's like, well, 
And I don't remember the exact details, but he's like, you know, it's Friday night here. My parents have moved into this really nice retirement community. He's like, it's Friday night here, and it's pizza night. And <laughs> something about how, like, the time has been shortened, and if you don't get down there in time, you don't get enough pizza. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, pizza's my favorite food, so I'm like, yeah, by all means, go get your pizza, you know. And I'm sorry, I, you know, but it wasn't like they were on time, but... My mom was started to tell another story after my dad told me this, and she's like, I want to say one more story. And my mom and I, you can hear how I can go on and on and on. My mom is the same. Uh, we are both MBTI ENFPs, and my mom and I get us talking, and we will talk. Like, the last time I talked to my parents, we talked for like four and a half hours, and it was basically me and my mom, like, I would tell a story, and then it would trigger a story of my mom, and then she would tell a story, and, you know, my dad's just listening at the end. So my dad tells my mom, he's like, he's like, all right, make it quick. <laughs> and, I, and I, you know, so I told myself, all right, I gotta, I can't respond because my mom did trigger another story in me, but I just said something back to her. I'm like, all right, go get your pizza because, you know, pizza is fucking important. Anyway, so here I have now moved down the hillside. I've still got the phone in the bag. Hopefully I'm not covered too much. It's all experimental here, folks. I've moved down the hillside. Um, I found a really good spot here. I found a great spot. As much as you destroyed nature, I would still find new spots to enjoy. Oh, here comes the wind again. Nature's like, we're here. Um, but I'm down the hill. I was on an exposed berm. A berm. A bike berm. And I'll, I'll tell the, you know, I'm in a good mood, so I'm going to tell some stories here. I'm getting to the Bisco. Wait. Brownie. Mark Brownstein. Wait. <laughs> uh... Mark Brownstein's in my head all the time. He's always talking. He's the guy. I've got a, a coach in my head named Max Bernstein. He's basically he's got the Mark Brownstein voice, but he's always like, listen to Bisco and bike faster. You know, he's, he's the guy that rushes me, but um, I'm biking. There's like this bike. The bike road crosses a bridge, and I've been on this road a million times, so I know where I'm going. But there's another small, about probably 150 meters that goes to this where it just stops, and on the ground, it's like, you know, stop, this is the wrong way or something. So I'm like narrating in my head, like, you're going the wrong way, Winchell. You're going the wrong way. And then as I got toward the end, I'm like, you're going to crash. And then I stopped and I was like, oh, this is a great spot because no one's, you know, there's no reason for a person to come down here. And I parked my bike on the top of the berm and I'm looking across the way here and there's people golfing. So they can probably hear me. There's a guy actually getting ready to light up for a shot. He's about yeah, 75 meters from me. Probably roughly 142 feet. It's probably a little bit. Yeah, anyway. I'm not going to translate it because I fuck all. I'm not going to translate everything for you. Do your own math. It's probably not even 75 meters. But yeah, he's looking. Is he in the sand? I could sit here and narrate some golf from here. A little golf narration. I don't know where this guy's walking to. He parked his bike and now he's walking the fucking Timbuktu. <laughs> He's like, I gotta get away from this fucking yakking foreigner over the berm. <laughs> anyway, I'm down the hill. Now, talking my golf voice, I'm down the hill, trying to protect my phone from the wind. You see, I just had to make sure I'm still recording because if I have recorded this, this is solid gold podcasting material. Okay, the guy's lining up for a shot. I can't really see him through. There's some trees in the way. Let's see here. I'm gonna narrate it. I can't. Man. This is gonna be terrible just hit it yeah i can't see it golf balls are too small fuck golf here's why i say fuck golf like i love i love okay i like games based on golf but the problem with real golf you gotta have too many clubs 
it's just too much of a pain in the ass. It's too expensive. You gotta you have tea times and all this shit. Golf was designed for the modern man. I'm not a I'm a fucking I'm past postmodern, my friends. I'm a fucking integral man. Like when I was in America, I'm talking soft now. Because there might be zombies about. Zombies about <laughs> Canadian zombie movie. Hey, hey man, there's zombies about <laughs> Oh, Jesus, I'm making myself laugh here. I'm getting to the Bisco, I swear. Maybe I am. I don't know. If you really could get inside my mind... No, you can hear it right now. I'm basically narrating what's in my mind. But even then, my mind is so multi-connected. So for me to ground myself and focus on shit, like what I've done for the past 15 years... I feel like I should be given a medal of honor. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. I've loved my job. You know, it was funny. I was talking to my parents today, back to that conversation. And uh, it was near the end of the conversation. I was telling them something about, like, yesterday. Oh, yeah, the, I don't know. I was telling something about yesterday and how, like, you know, I didn't really get to teach a final class. But Monday, on Monday, I'm going to teach, um, I think, according to the newspaper article, like, preschools are allowed to stay open. And I'm like, anyway, so on Monday, I'm supposed to go to the preschool, which I'm hoping I get to go to, because then I'll have like a final, I'll feel like I can get some closure, I'll have a final day, and I really like the preschool days, because it's basically free play with little kids. And like, the preschool visits are so amazing, because I realize how the teachers are so good at like making all these little toys and the kids too they make toys out of like toilet paper rolls and stuff i mean they just use like random stuff around the house and they make a lot and they have fun and i'm thinking why don't we do that in regular school why don't adults do that you know anyway i love preschool visits they're like my favorite day they're tiring at the end of the day i'm you know energetically i can be like my brain it's more tiring on the brain because there's a lot of like asking for attention from kids like hey brian sensei brian sensei and i'm looking at him and i'm playing with him and then our kids like brian sensei brian sensei i'm looking at him and i'm trying my best to give each kid attention so it's more tiring in that way like physically it's not that hard um and it's all you know there's a lot of mostly japanese because these kids are japanese kids and so you know i teach them english here and there but mostly i'm just playing with them and you know talking japanese so it can be tiring but you know i want a, i would love to have when i taught my class on wednesday the last class i had wednesday in sixth period Last class of the day. At that time, I thought I had three weeks of classes left. So there never was in my mind, like, this is the last class I'll be teaching for 15 years. So I would appreciate that closure, you know. Um, and how did I get on this? Talking to my parents. Oh, so I was telling them about, you know, I didn't have this closure and how um, I'd eaten lunch. I think I made some comment about eating school lunch. and That was my last lunch. And I started thinking about, like... Oh, I was think I was telling them how like yesterday my friends and I were chatting about like doing small things for people. Ah, here's how it goes. My mom, there's a housekeeper that my mom thinks does a really good job at their the community they live in, and my mom told some friend of hers that was new there or something like, this is so and so. She does a really good job. She didn't say she's a housekeeper. She does a really good. She said she does a really good job, and that was it. And later on, the housekeeper told my mom, like, you know, that really made me feel good. And 
my mom was talking about how like she'd worked she was a president of like a community like a volunteer library association and how the library like some of the things that have like they don't have author readings anymore and the librarian was telling my mom like well ever since you left there's been some things that you know aren't as good and i was like mom you know like what you're telling me is like you make a difference in people's lives and that's awesome and then i was like and that's what i want to do now like i said and then i thought yeah, I have made a difference. Like, I really try hard to do small things, like playing with my kids. And I'm feeling it again right now, like... <sighs> so this is the first time he cries on the podcast. <laughs> I've got tears in my eyes, folks. Because... <laughs> I love that about my job. Yeah, I I have loved that. Yeah, I'm gonna miss it. You know, like just I'm just just thinking about my kids. That quite honestly, I've complained about this these second graders, but I'm thinking about one boy right now in particular. <laughs> He'd be kind of annoying, but he's also really cute, and he and I know he really loves me, and I love him too. And it's like <sighs> just suddenly, you know. All right, it's the first time. I'm going to leave it on the podcast. Hopefully it's recorded. You know, as happy as I am that the universe is giving me this, you know, like this ex this month where like I'm on free time now, like I'm away from, the, I'm off the clock time. Like I've done this job for 15 years because I love it and I've made a difference in, you know, I try to make a difference in every person's life that I'm around. You know, I try to give people attention and, and I know, by the way, the kids react to me that I've done that, you know? Anyway, it's not over. I, <laughs> I'm acting like I'm never going to make a difference in anybody's life ever again. <laughs> you know, but I'll miss, I'll, you know, I'll miss the classroom. I'll miss the lunches. I'll miss being around the Japanese kids in the schools. And I don't plan on doing that. I feel like... That's probably over in my life. You know, it feels like this is the end of it, of that era. Um, there's a lot of reasons I don't want to go back to the schools. Um, but it just feels like it's over, you know. It's like when you graduate from high school. You know that feeling? You remember. Everybody here I'm talking, everybody who's listening to this can remember that feeling, I think. Because I don't, no matter what culture you grow up in, you graduate from high school or whatever that year is. Like in Japan, it's more like junior high. When you graduate from the level of, you know, school where all the people you're graduating with are people you've grown up with but now you're going on your separate ways that's kind of the feeling i'm getting at where you're happy because you're like the future i'm going on this grand adventure but at the same time you're like oh and i'm leaving this behind that's kind of my mindset you know so i can easily dig into the sadness of that the loss you know <laughs> whoo <laughs> But I'm also, I mean, I've been in a really good, you know, I actually enjoy it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm going to try to cut this short. Is it going to ever get to the Bisco? Wow, 20 minutes. I'll get to the Bisco, I promise. And eventually in one of these episodes, I probably will in a minute here. I'll probably stop and have, I have some, I have some biscuits. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop here. Hold on. I'm not going to stop recording. Where those biscuits go? I've got these, my favorite 7-Eleven biscuits here. I'm going to grab them. You're going to hear me ruffling. Hopefully that's not too loud. Phone's out of the bag. I'm going to eat one biscuit here.
That's a biscuit. It's a, uh, hold on, I'm going to read the package here. No, oh, no, one just fell out. Holy shit, I'm going to throw that down the hill for some animal. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of another funny thing. They are called, oh boy, it's got some Chinese characters in it. <laughs> Sakuri Taberu Kanjiru Kan, I don't know how to say that word. It means like, feel the eating, no, plain biscuit. They're like a dollar, and they're really delicious. And I'm going to miss fucking Japanese food in America. Because you Americans like everything so fucking strong, your flavors, man. You don't need everything so strong. I'll find my shit. Don't worry. Um, but to pay, like, to get, like, stuff like, here's the thing about America that's a problem. To get stuff that doesn't have that bold American flavor, you got to pay money for it. Here in Japan, you get the non-bold American flavor, and that's the cheap shit. The bold shit you got to pay money for, and I don't want the bold shit, so I can live cheaply here. As I threw the biscuit down the hill, <laughs> this is another good story. This is another good theme. <laughs> oh, God. This could take 10 minutes to explain this one. Okay, I'll try to keep this short. I'm trying to, oh, like Fish, my favorite band Fish, they, they're doing this thing now called micro-jamming. Where, you know, back in the 90s, they would jam a song for 30 minutes, and it's great. But when you listen back to it, it's like, come on, guys, get to the point where now they'll get as much of that, that same amount of information in 10 minutes. And people are all calling it micro-jamming. And some people complain, they're like, yeah, man, it wasn't long enough. And it's like, did you listen to all the shit that was going on in that 10 minutes? They're just being more efficient. So I'm trying to be efficient here on this podcast. Get to the bisco. Okay. So I just threw this bis- biscuit down the hill. And, uh, so I often think about this and this, this, so sometimes when I'm out biking, like I'm a, I have the idea of the hiker, which is, you know, like leave it as you found it. So I try not to litter, but every once in a while I like to chew gum when I bike and usually I swallow gum when I'm done with it. I don't put it in a tissue. Like the body, ain't, it doesn't take seven years to digest in your belly, all that bullshit. At least I don't think so, but I've swallowed gum all my life and it's never caused me to have like stomach issues like you know the old wives tale tells you um anyway so i so i swallowed but every once in a while like one day i was kind of like chewing gum and i was like i threw it off to the side down the hillside and i had this idea that like you know if human motherfuckers decide to destroy nature i'm giving nature permission like with these gums that i throw down the hill i'm giving nature permission to turn the gum into gum monsters and the gum monsters can go after the humans that have destroyed nature. But I made a deal with them the other day. I threw one out the other day. I've been doing this for like four or five months. I made a deal with them. I'm like, you know, I created you guys. I'm your like, I'm your Dr. Frankenstein. You guys are my monster. So like, if you're going to come back and destroy the humans, like that's fine. But you can't destroy me and the people. Like I, I have power over you to tell you like who you can destroy and who you can't. Let's just make a deal. All right. But. If so, if I need you to come back and do like, if I need my gum monster army to come back and like destroy the humans who are destroying nature, that's fine. But you can't just like destroy all humans. Like that's not what we're doing here. We're trying to create a world where humans are nature and nature is humans and we all can live together. So gum monsters, like, please let's follow that commandment. All right, let's get to the bisco. The wind just came up here again. I'm gonna have another biscuit here in honor of bisco. The disco biscuits, plain disco biscuits. So today, I'm biking, as you know. Let me get some water here. 
them bike in here. You ever seen those? New, is it a? Is it a? Is it Taxi Driver? Is it? Is it the movie Taxi Driver? With I'm walking here. So sometimes I've started my bike things with I'm biking here, but I stopped doing that. It's a pleasant day out here, by the way. I'm just gonna describe it real quick. The sun is out through some kind of low clouds, but it's basically I feel like the sun's on me, but it's not like a bright sun. It's February 29th. It's leap year, everybody. And my friend Yoss today here. I'm gonna read this real quick. I'm getting to the bisco. Don't worry. I'm, I've got. I'm actually feeling reasonably grounded here. As you might think, I'm scattered, but I'm actually pretty fucking focused in my own way. All right. Yoss. Got to go to the Team Bloomberg Network. That's the name of our group that we're in. I named it that. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, my friend Yasu, who's also a fellow ENFP, Japanese guy. At Brian, you just start the new mission. For, he's Japanese. You just start the new mission from the leap of the year slash month without saying goodbye to the school. That's superb. And like superb is a word we often use when we play park golf because it's like a the the non-American sports announcers they often say that when somebody does something well like that superb shot superb. So we often say that. So um and I hadn't thought about that like that you know like and and I wrote back I was like awesome point I didn't think of that. And then I realized, I was like, holy shit, he doesn't know how cool that is, because I took a leap of faith. And literally, that's how I've been describing this whole, like, experiment, like, this idea to quit my job. And, le- and so I wrote, I took a leap of faith, and I'm leaping to the mission on leap day. And, uh, so I asked my friends, and too, by the way, are we playing crow golf tomorrow? Croquet golf, park golf at 11? Okay. And I asked my two friends, I said, I know Yasu will be there with bells on his balls. That's my Yasu lately always plays with me because he just always plays, so count on him. And my other friend said, I'm at the job, and the wind is going to be brutal. I'd start early if I were you. Um, I don't think the wind is going to be brutal. I think it's going to be a nice day tomorrow because the weather gods and I are in good terms. And I've been checking the weather. Like Lately, I'm always telling my friends, like, when we play, I make sure the weather's okay. I'm not, like, when the wind is strong, I don't fucking play. That's the rule. Um, let's see here. We're going to go to the location. God, you know, the internet, man, is just this fucking storehouse of information. All right, here we are here. Go to Sunday. We're going to start at 11. 11 o'clock, Sunday. Mostly cloudy, 56 degrees, 61 real field. Speed, 6 degree wind, 6 miles per hour, 7 per 7 miles per hour gust. That's not windy. A cloud cover, 87%. Prefer it a little sunnier, but that's fine. 61 degrees real field is a great temperature to play at. 12 o'clock, wind speed 5, gust 7, real feel 62, 13 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 5, 7, 64 real feel, 14 o'clock, 5, 6, 66 degrees. This is a fucking great day, folks. Like cloud cover 92. Like the only thing I would, if I would change it, the wind is actually going down. Um, real feels, yeah, it's fucking perfect. My friend doesn't know what he's talking about. See, here's the deal, folks. <laughs> I'm trying to get my friend to listen to this podcast, and he's like, yeah, I'll listen, I'll listen, and like, this guy's a great guy, but you know, I'm like, you know, the podcast is fucking worth listening to, it's good, and I, I gave him a call out recently, I gave him a thanks for, you know, hooking me up with the dead pod, I'm pulling a giant root out of the ground here, oh my god, probably should stop that, got my socks all dirty, getting dirty is fun, um, 
playing at the Earth is Fun. And uh, my friend uh, was like, yeah, I'm too busy. Well, I don't know. He didn't say I'm too busy. But anyway, the point is, is that he doesn't get out. In, he's not out in the nature as much as I am. Like, I'm outside all the time. And on the other hand, I'm also a, like an, I'm an obsessive weather forecast checker. I've been that way since I was a kid. And when we play park golf, like the one recommend, the one requirement I have this time of year is make sure, well, of course, if it's raining or snowing, we don't play. So we don't have to think about that. Um, but I, the other thing you really have to check this time of year is the wind because it can be windy here. And when it's really windy out there, not only is it colder, but it's harder to talk and harder to concentrate. It's just not as nice. So if it's like that, I just say, ah, we, I guess we can't play today. But I've been checking the last four or five days and, you know, thinking about what day to play this weekend and Originally, I was supposed to be at work today, but they canceled that because of the coronavirus. Um, so I was like, tomorrow's the only day we can play tomorrow. And then, anyway, I've been checking. I'm like, yeah, Sunday looks good. Sunday looks good. And so my friend's saying that right now. I'm like, what? What's going to be windy? Well, I just checked and weather forecast. Like the, the feeling outside right now, my intuition about what the weather's like and the forecast is like, no, tomorrow's going to be really fucking nice. So. He don't know what he's talking about. He's just trying to be like, I think he's trying to like convince himself that, oh, I'm going to be inside and you guys are going to suffer. So he's wrong. Anyway, he's going to get paid a lot of money that I'm not going to get paid because those fuckers didn't hire me this time around. But you know what? Money can kiss my ass. All right. I'm going to get to a little Bisco right now because I promised that and I feel like I definitely, it's like probably 20, this is a long clip. Yeah, we're at 30 minutes. That's, this is going to be, this is going to be this week's podcast. I've got podcasts coming out the yin yang. I recorded another one on the integral theme, but I'll save that for that that one I recorded. I was like that one can be done recorded, released anytime. Maybe the next one. And when I go into my next phase where I'm like, fuck if I want to do anything. If I go through one of those and I'll just have some of these on reserve. Anyway, I'm watching a woman right now in the bright pink. She's uh she's teen she's going from the the sand, she's in the sand. I can't see very well. I just hear swings. Yeah, nice swing. Nice relaxed swing. And she just walked away. She must play a lot. She didn't give a shit. She just walked away from like, you know, it looked like a good swing, so <laughs> I think but they're they're far enough away from here. They can maybe hear me. Um, I don't care. Anyway, I'm golfing here. We gotta talk in the golf voice. Everybody fall asleep. So Bisco. The disco because I'm listening to a uh, a podcast called Weirdly Magical. It's a bunch of, it's a two woo-woo women who I love, who are, you know, they're in astrology and numerology and stuff, and I don't remember how I got on the topic of water. Something something that they mentioned brought up water to me, and like lately I'm really, since last year, I intuited this idea about the four elements, and then I realized, oh my god, my book series are about the four elements. And then I got into astrology, and then I was like, oh, astrology has all this stuff about the four elements. So I'm all about water, air, earth, and fire. Um, I do a, a little, at the end of my meditation in the morning, I give thanks to the four directions. And at the end, I give thanks to, I connect water and earth, because those are female energies. And then I connect air and water, those are male energies. Anyway, I was uh, something they mentioned brought up the idea that there's water energy right now, and I got done. I sent my friend a message, um, and I got done doing that. And I'm like, "What should I listen to?" And I'm like, "Oh, I, I'm running a little late. I'm not, but I'm like, yeah, I need. To, I want to bike for a bit. I want to bike with some energy." So I'm like, "All right, disco biscuits," and I pull it up and I see I've got this playlist of you know downloaded water, the elements. I'm like, "Oh, water!" So I'm listening to what I took a photo of way back when. 
Okay, so we're in via confrontation from April 18th, 2003, Chicago, Illinois. And uh, it's a really good watery jam, and I love it. And uh, that was what I was listening to when I stopped here. And I got about eh, 45 seconds left to that. And then there's the uh, Naeba, which I've listened to a million times from last year. And New Orleans shows, not great shows, but the Naeba jam um, has personal significance to me, not only because it's about... Naiba, which is where the Fuji Rock Festival is, and I believe, I'm guessing, I mean, that song came out after they came to Fuji Rock, and the lyrics are all about the the setting, the, so I'm pretty sure Brownie wrote that when they were here, and I've always liked the song, and that jam is very watery, and it connects to um, kind of some of my own personal growth and awakening, my all of my son's birthday last May. When I heard that song, and it was kind of the theme song on that day, and it became one of the theme songs of 2019. So I might listen to that next. I don't know. Um, I love Bisco. I'll be talking more about Bisco. I'll do an episode more devoted to Bisco. I'll try to do some episodes that are a little more, like, focused. Um, but one of my issues with the... Not issues, but the world today is very focused on, like, you know, we specialize. You go to college and you get a major, and this is your specialty. I'm an electrical engineer, and my engineering... Um, is this or whatever, and I, you know, and that's fine, but I'm a generalist. The way my brain works, as I think you can see from me talking for 30 minutes and all the ways it's gone around, like, I'm a generalist. I have many different interests, and that's my specialty. So this podcast is a generalist podcast. Um, but having said that, I can do the thing where I focus in on this is my topic, and we're going to talk about this. Um, I'm hoping for future episodes I'll probably do some writing and I'll kind of, you know, or I'll plan out, I'll do like this, I'm going to, you know, do an outline. Um, we are still in the experimental phases, folks, of the BNP realm. Uh, I thank you for bearing with me. I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, I always want feedback. I really want feedback. Here, I'm going to say this, like the person on that Weirdly Magical show said this today, and I thought, yeah, all these podcasters are saying this. Uh please go on to iTunes and rate the podcast. That gives us visibility. So please do that for me too. Um, give me feedback. You don't even have to write a review. Just go on to iTunes, hopefully iTunes. I think iTunes for some reason is better. I don't know why, but go on there and rate the show. If you go on to whatever app you listen to and you can rate it, and that gets visibility because the more people that rate a show, the more it's like it'll be uh, brought up in the algorithms. I don't know how the freaking algorithm mind works, but this is what people say. So rate it if you have the time. I don't ask, I'm not asking yet for money from you. So freaking give me your time. <laughs> well, you're giving me a lot of time now. This has been a longer rant than I meant to do, but rant. I don't know if this is a rant. This is more of a rap. I don't believe I was ranting. I cried. I cried, didn't I? Did you hear me crying? Can't you hear me knocking, crying? Well, I'm going to sit here and relax a bit. And I'm going to take a piss on the side of this hill. And you're going to hear, probably, I think this is probably going to lead into the Teacher in the Tree Realm, book one, chapters five and six. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what happens in those. I don't want to give any spoilers, but I'm trying to remember, like, I um, can't remember exactly. I'm going to have a certain idea of what some stuff that happens, but... Um, they're all good, man. Every fucking chapter in that book is a work of art. <laughs> and if you don't think so, then kiss my hairy white butt. No, I'm just kidding. All right.
I love you all. Thanks for listening. Um, enjoy the book. And we'll see you on the next episode of the BMP Realm Podcast. Dum, 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 dum. I should play the outro music one of these days, like when I finish this. It'd probably be more professional, but I'll just do it in my head. That intro music, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but I, I made that. I made that. That's me. Garage Band original. That's not very good. Yeah, okay. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. Chapter 5 The Apologies of Selfish Bastards Before dinner, Lucas received a phone call. It was Nate Applegate from the Puyallup tribe. I've got an update for you, Mr. Lucas, he said. Lucas was excited. He'd completely forgotten about Applegate. I'm ready. I found an elder who confirmed that Last Rush was, indeed, considered sacred ground back before the reservation was created. That's great, Lucas said. Would he be willing to talk with the county assessor's office? I'm afraid not, Mr. Lucas, Applegate said. What? Why not? He said it wouldn't do any good, Applegate said. How can he say that without even trying? Like I said, Mr. Lucas, he's an elder, Applegate said. So? So he's had a lot of experience watching how, for lack of a better word, white culture has ignored our traditions. No matter the depth of our belief in them, Applegate said. Lucas sighed. He supposed the old guy had a point. I'm sorry to hear that. Is there any way you could contact the assessor's office? I'd like to, but I'm afraid I don't have the authority to do that, Applegate said. Lucas didn't want to understand, but he did. Applegate had done his best, but on this battle, the Puyallup were sitting out. Well, Lucas said, that's too bad, but I understand, and I want you to know I really appreciate your effort. You're welcome, Mr. Lucas, Applegate said. Good luck. Lucas is in the grove, looking at the knot, waiting for something to happen. The tree is a radiant olive green, and if he were to take his eyes off the knot, he'd see that everything is green. Everything. The sky, a deep lime green. The heavy, floating clouds, an ivy green. The forest floor, a split pea green. All of a sudden, without any physical change to alert Lucas, the knot is speaking. This is the only way we'll be able to talk now. After what you did... What did I do? Lucas asks, not wanting to admit where he is, or that he is actually speaking with Sylvanus. It is only a dream, nothing more. You used me to advance your cause. My cause? Lucas cannot believe it. I did it for you, Sylvanus. Are you sure about that? Of course I'm sure, Lucas shouts, but then realizes his tone suggests otherwise. I was trying to save your life, as well as this forest. Yes, Sylvanus says. And by now, Lucas can see a small outline of his features. But why? 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 Because I don't want you to die. And I don't want this forest swallowed up by another shopping mall. And I... Your language betrays your vested and limited form of self-interest, Sylvanus says. You say, I this and I that. What's wrong with acting on some self-interest, Lucas asks. Do we ever really do things that aren't in our self-interest? On a deeper level, you can't. Sylvanus says. That would be illogical. After all, on that level, there is no individual self. You think yourself is just your individual body, separate from all the other individual bodies and things out there. 
but it is much more. Then how can we ever act against self-interest? Sylvanus laughs and the tree shakes. Only then does Lucas notice all the greens, olive, pea, ivy, seaweed, greens everywhere. You do it all the time. How? Whenever you hurt another life form for your short-term gain, this goes against your large self, self-interest. Or whenever you take advantage of someone else for your profit. In short, whenever you act in your belief that only your individual body is yourself, damn the rest of creation. Wait a minute, Lucas says, realizing his feet are starting to float off the ground and the forest imagery is starting to shimmer and fade. Then how could you have said that I was acting out of a limited form of self-interest? Because you were acting with your own interests first, how you would be perceived as a hero, how your wife would think you were sane, how you could then come to this forest and be proud of the fact that you saved it. See, even in regard to your noble intention of saving this forest, you placed yourself at the center of the drama. All this without thinking about how your actions might affect others. But wait, Lucas says, trying to hold on to the dream. I was trying to save your life. Maybe I didn't want to be saved, Sylvanus says. And by now Lucas is floating above the treetops, so far away he can barely hear Sylvanus say. Ever thought of that? Lucas woke slowly to the news, turning it off as it reported about President Bush's plan to address Congress. It was worrying, as the President was increasingly speaking in belligerent terms, and a strike against Afghanistan seemed inevitable. Lucas didn't dwell on it for long. He had more pressing personal matters than worrying about some war thousands of miles away that his government was going to get involved in. The government took these actions with or without his consent. So what did it really matter what he thought about it? Besides, it was nothing new. They were always sending troops somewhere and had been arming the world for years, so they had to use those weapons, right? He knew he should go out and chat with Sylvanus before school, but would he be there to chat with? After all, hadn't Sylvanus said that he was only going to have conversations through dreams? Yes, but that was only a dream. At least that's what he kept telling himself as he threw together a quick outing package of coffee in a thermos, a sweater which he wore, and a light jacket which he didn't. He also included a few strips of beef jerky. Not exactly breakfast food, but Lucas never really worried about the rules of what food could be eaten when. Ready to go, Lucas set out to speak to the tree man. He made good time to the tree man's grove. The air felt even colder than yesterday. He was already starting to feel wistful about the days of summer. It sometimes was hard to believe the weather could have such a drastic effect on one's life and outlook, but it did. As winter approached, Lucas and most adults he knew would stop spending as much time outdoors, and when they did venture out somewhere, it was often for a purpose. Let's get a Christmas tree, for example. Very few people went outside during the winter in western Washington just to experience nature's dark season, and west of the Cascades, it was often cold and damp very early, so by late September, you'd already gotten resigned to the fact that summer was over and the rains had returned. The colder weather also made Lucas's pace in the outdoors faster, and that worked well with his hurried schedule that morning. As he looked up at where he'd last seen Sylvanus, he felt as though the knot had gotten smaller, and it was harder to make out the tree man's human head. "'I brought you something,' Lucas said, and held up a small cup of coffee. Might help you shake those blues, or, if nothing else, it'll warm you up. 
no reaction from Sylvanus. In fact, the forest, while usually quiet, was unnaturally still this morning. If Lucas focused hard enough, he could sense the presence that he always associated with the forest, but it was as though it was hiding. Okay, Lucas said. I'm just going to set up this ladder so I can at least give you stuff easier from here on out. He put up the small step ladder, which gave him an easy chance to reach the tree man and give him something, if he'd ever wake up. Look, Lucas said, I've been having these weird dreams where I've been talking with you, or stranger, where I am you. They seem so real, but I know they're just dreams. I don't know where I'm going with this, so I'll just spit it out. I'm sorry, Lucas said. I know I betrayed you, but I couldn't think of anything else to do to stop this forest from being destroyed. Do you realize that if the ruling had been made, the chainsaws could have been buzzing and sawing through this forest in a week or two? I know the company is anxious to get this project going before the winter sets in. But none of that stuff matters to you, does it? Lucas continued, not sure if Sylvanus was listening, but proceeding as though he was. This forest is worth so much more alive than it is dead, but most people can't understand that. They think, hey, there's plenty of forest left in the world. What's one more little piece? But one more little piece here, and one more little piece there, and soon there aren't very many little pieces left. And some people even try to attach a monetary value on a forest, which is an obscenity. Something as sacred as a forest cannot be reduced into something so vulgar as money. I suppose we could chop down all the forests for profit, but then what would we have left? What would a world without trees be like? Would it even be worth living in? Could we live in it? Surely not as we are living today. And while stopping this mall may not be the battle that's going to turn the tide in this battle for nature, it's the battle we, you, Sylvanus, and me, Paul Lucas, are fighting and it's the only one where we can have some control over the outcome. So think about it. Think about why saving this forest is the best move for all of us, and think about your fellow trees that don't have the voice you have. Think about what they would want, too. Lucas stopped. He'd rambled and wasn't really sure he'd made sense. He was just speaking from his heart, not really thinking about how to phrase what he'd said. By now, he was pretty sure Sylvanus was going to stay inside the tree. For whatever reason, that was all right with Lucas. As he stood there in the silence, he started to have this feeling that perhaps Sylvanus had a plan. And that plan, while proceeding along a different path than Lucas's, had the same goal in mind. Growing up, Lucas had sometimes had this feeling that there was something guiding his experiences. But as he grew older, he'd somehow forgotten that feeling. Yet now, as he took in the forest air, the feeling came back to him. It made him feel that even if things didn't seem like they were proceeding well, perhaps they were going that way for a reason. Maybe it was best not to get so caught up in questioning it. So as he took in a few more breaths of the clean, crisp forest air, he decided he was going to start trusting Sylvanus. He wasn't going to come out here again unless someone asked him to come out. For now, he was going to get back to busying himself with his life in the real world. When he got home, Lucas saw the red light on his answering machine blinking. He pushed play. Bro, it's me, came Larry's voice, and I'm sure you may not want to hear from me after I stood you up the other night. No excuses, just my deepest apologies. I know sometimes I am not a very reliable friend, and I'm going to work on that. I want to make it up to you, so I was hoping you might be able to get out of the house for some fun Friday night. Anyway, get back to me, would you? The message ended and Lucas realized that in the wake of his victory revealing Sylvanus, he'd forgotten all about Larry's no-show at the meeting. 
Maybe he was just so used to it with Larry that it had been easy to forget. But this was a first. Larry had never apologized without prompting. It meant something to Lucas, and he quickly forgave his friend. He didn't have time to call him then, but he would as soon as he could. And he'd show that the apology was accepted by accepting his invitation for Friday night. Good friends in this world were hard to come by, and Lucas wasn't going to be one of those people who took the ones he had for granted. Chapter 6. Scare Tactics. Relief. That was Lucas's strongest feeling when he went to school that morning. On the other hand, he hoped he wasn't slipping back to his old self by deciding to stop visiting Sylvanus, but he didn't think he was. He wasn't giving up the fight. He was just fighting a little differently, a little more patiently. He also felt that this decision respected Sylvanus's feelings, so perhaps Sylvanus would be quicker to forgive him. Yet Lucas knew he didn't have much time to get Sylvanus out of the tree. He'd been expecting the decision to be delayed at least a month, but Wesson had only given them one more week. He didn't know if that was enough time for Sylvanus to get over his anger and start speaking with him again, not to mention show himself to Wesson's scientists. Still, he had to hope. In the end, Lucas figured he'd give it a few days, and that gave him one less thing to worry about. As soon as he walked into the teacher's room, though, his momentary relief was drop-kicked by an urgent Danielson, who had quickly discarded a half-eaten donut into the garbage and swigged down his coffee before running over to Lucas. Yeah, I got it, Lucas said, finding the repetitiveness of the start of every school day oddly humorous now. We need to talk. Yes, Danielson said. In private? Lucas asked. The only two teachers in the room were engrossed in the crossword puzzle, so Danielson said, no. Did you get a call from Wilbur or Weston? No, Lucas said. Why? Wilbur messaged me this morning, Danielson said. Said Weston has a team of scientists together and wants to get them out to the forest tomorrow afternoon. Tomorrow? Lucas said. What time? Didn't say, Danielson said. So they didn't contact you at all in the last day or so? Nope, Lucas said. Only person I've been in contact with has been Wilson over at the post. I took him out there yesterday. Strange, I didn't see anything in the paper this morning, Danielson said. What happened? Nothing. Sylvanus didn't show himself. Sylvanus? That's what I named him, Lucas said. It's the name of an ancient forest god. Cute, Danielson said. Did you give him a last name? Douglas, after the kind of tree he's in, Lucas said. Sylvanus Douglas, Danielson said. Sounds dignified. Well, in a way, Lucas said. That's a good word to describe him. Anyway... Why do you think they wouldn't call me? Maybe they think you'll bias things, or the lawyer for the developers will use your presence as a reason for appeal or something, Danielson said. That said, I think it's important that you go out there. You might be the only person Sylvanus is willing to show himself for. Well, I don't really care if they want me out there or not, Lucas said. It's public land, and I'm going. I just hope they don't go before school gets out. If I was you, I'd get on the horn with Wilbur and find out what he knows. Of all the people involved, you're the person he'll most want to have out there. Good idea, Lucas said. Thanks, Sam. At lunch that day, Lucas was minding his own business, devouring a triple-decker peanut butter and jelly sandwich and some potato chips, when he overheard a strange conversation between music teacher Rose Collins and Jack McCollum, who taught third grade. It was just an easier day without him there, Collins was saying. I know he's a popular kid with both the teachers and students, but sometimes he really drives me crazy. I often don't know how to handle him. Lucas heard this and decided to tune in. 
He was sitting across the room and Collins's back was to him, so he didn't think she was aware he could hear what she was saying. Lucas stopped crunching on his potato chips and attempted to zone out on his sandwich in case McCollum happened to look across the room and see that he was eavesdropping. Totally understand, McCollum said. When I had him in my class last year, there were many times I wanted to wring his neck. The only problem was, the more I tried to crack down on him, the more he would act up. Well, this recent incident will give us more leeway in doling out the appropriate punishment to him, I would think, Collins said. He won't be such an untouchable, especially now that he's fallen on the wrong side of Weinberg. Excuse me, came the voice of Wendy, who had materialized from the teacher's bathroom, but I can't help but wonder if you guys are talking about Chris Lee. Collins didn't answer, but McCollum said, That's right, Wendy. Is that a problem? No, no, of course not, Wendy said. It's just the first time I've heard people express what I've sometimes felt when I dealt with Chris. And don't get me wrong, I like him, but he's a handful sometimes. I'm not always sure whether or not to let him free. Lucas wanted to say something, but realized that by doing so, it would reveal he had been eavesdropping. Besides, he'd never been really friendly with either Collins, who he thought was a prude, or McCollum, who was an ex-military disciplinarian and thus from a very different school of thought from Lucas. So he just kept staring at his sandwich, appearing to be dozing off, but really paying close attention. Well, I know that letting him run free was a surefire way to break discipline in the classroom, McCollum said. That said, he's a strange one. Just about every kid I've taught in my twenty years has responded the way I would expect when I raised my voice at them, but Chris didn't. Like I said, the more I cracked down, the more he acted up. Lucas wanted to yell out, Good for him! But again, he didn't say a word. He wanted to see where this was going. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how well he responds to that essay he's supposed to write, Collins said. I heard that if he doesn't pass Weinberg's standards, Chris will have to write it again. What are Weinberg's standards? Wendy asked. Probably just seeing if the kid shows remorse and an understanding of why he has been punished, McCollum answered. I'm not so sure he does. Well, whether he does or not, Collins concluded, I just hope this experience humbles and mellows him a bit. Amen to that, McCollum said, and with that they went back to talking about something Lucas wasn't interested in. Lucas is sitting on a beach with bluffs at his back, eating fish tacos when the bark-covered man sits down next to him. Hello, Paul, Sylvanus says. Enjoying the weather? Yes, Lucas says, and the fish tacos. They look good, Sylvanus says. Lately I've been coming here a lot. I like the ocean. It's so different from the forest so vast, as though there are no limits to the possibilities. I've never thought of it that way, Lucas says. I just like the way it plays with the senses, the smell of the salty air, the feel of the wind on my skin, the taste of the fish tacos, the sound of the surf, the sight of the seagulls circling for food. It's wonderful. Yes, it is, Sylvanus says. But, Paul, I want to see this place outside of my dreams, and I'm going to need your help to do that. Sylvanus, Lucas says, for me to help you, you're going to need to start talking with me, for real, again. I know, Sylvanus says, and I suppose I won't be breaking my vow to the forest if I start talking with you again. Vow to the forest? Lucas asks. Oops, Sylvanus says. I'm not supposed to tell you about that. Can I just keep that a secret for now? Lucas wants to push him, yet he realizes he's just made progress by getting Sylvanus to agree to talk with him again. So he drops it and says, Sure. 
Sylvanus, there's something else I have to tell you, Lucas says. You're going to have to take some more mushrooms. You need to take a megadose. Sylvanus cringes and says, oh, I suppose you're right. And one more thing. Tomorrow afternoon, a group of scientists are coming out to meet you, Lucas says. This is another chance for you to prove you're real and to stop the destruction of the forest. I want to do it my way, Sylvanus says. Your way? Yes, remember the plan I told you about? The plan I had before you tricked me and revealed me to those people? Lucas bristles at Sylvanus's characterization of what he'd done as a trick, but again, he doesn't want to upset Sylvanus, so he says, Yes, I do. I want to try that tomorrow and see what happens, Sylvanus says. Lucas is about to respond, but just like that, Sylvanus has disappeared, leaving Lucas with the fish tacos, the wind, the waves, the salty air, and the seagulls. Lucas called Wilbur that morning and found out that the scientists were planning to go to the forest at 3.30, which was the exact time Lucas would be leaving school. He figured he could get out there by 4 and hoped he would not be too late. Three scientists from the University of Puget Sound followed Joseph Weston down the now muddy slope that led in the last rush canyon. Weston had learned from his last experience and was wearing hiking boots, and all three scientists had followed suit. As they entered the forest on that pleasant afternoon, the sun disappeared behind a wall of clouds. The lack of sunlight and the canopy of the towering trees darkened the forest, causing Weston to regret not bringing a flashlight. It wasn't quite dark enough that they needed it, but Weston made a mental note to bring one if they had to come down here again. The three scientists were talking about how precious the ecosystem of this particularly ancient piece of forest was, and as Weston listened, he felt like perhaps these men were not objective enough to do their job. He worried that if they claimed to see something, the developer's lawyer would just say they saw it because they wanted to see it. When they reached Salisbury Creek, Weston had to stop and get his bearings, trying to remember which of the trails Lucas had used. At last, he settled on one. Just as they started walking, a squirrel appeared on the path in front of them and started chattering. Cute little bugger, Weston said. The squirrel turned around and flickered his tail at them. Am I crazy to ask if he is angry with us? Weston asked. The scientist didn't respond, because right after he asked the question, two of them cried out in pain. What? asked the third. Something just hit me, said the first one, the fattest of the group. Me too, the second scientist, who was tall and lean, said. Ouch, Weston cried out. What the heck? Just then, Weston looked up and saw something he'd never forget. On several branches above them, a group of squirrels had gathered and seemed to be targeting the scientist and Weston with acorns. I'll be damned, he said, just as one glanced off his head. Out of the corner of his eye, Weston saw something large charging toward him. Frightened, he began to run off. Where are you going? asked the fat scientist, but Weston didn't answer. The fat scientist followed Weston with the other scientists, who must have been tired of being target practice for the bombardier squirrels. And that was when Weston heard the first sound. At first, he thought it was a wolf, but it sounded too demented to be a wolf. Panicked, he didn't have time to ask the scientists what they thought it was. Instead, he picked up his pace. By now, he had no idea where he was running to, only that he wanted to get away. The scientist continued to follow him, though the fat one was falling behind. Suddenly, Weston heard a rustling from some bushes and could have sworn he saw a large animal, a bear, ready to emerge. Meanwhile, 
The mysterious noises got louder and changed in tone. They weren't wolves, Weston thought, but perhaps it would have been better if they were. No, they sounded more threatening than wolves, and at least with wolves he could identify them. This sound was from another world. What the hell was going on? He ran faster and faster, no longer worried about sticking together with the scientists. All he cared about was his own safety. They could take care of themselves. He was trying to run away from the sounds, but the more he ran, the more it seemed as though they were coming from all around him, and they were getting closer. Suddenly, the sounds stopped, replaced by a flat silence. He stopped, too, hoping to catch his breath. From somewhere behind him, he thought he heard the scientist running, but worried that perhaps it was another bear. Another? Then the sounds reappeared from another direction. It sounded like he was surrounded by dark sprites, creatures whose intention was to suck the guts out of him and the scientists, then gleefully recount the experience with each other over a few beers, or whatever it was that dark sprites drank. He began to run, and suddenly, from behind the tree in front of him, a figure emerged, and it was the fat scientist. The two men collided and crashed to the ground, and Wesson's glasses fell off his head. Wesson was searching for his glasses when the scientist said, "'What are you leading us into, Mr. Wesson?' Wesson was shaking badly and had broken into a sweat, so he took his handkerchief and patted down his forehead, unable to think of how to answer the question. Instead, he continued to search for his glasses, when out of the corner of his eye, he could have sworn he saw two black ghosts gliding through the air as though they were on some invisible brooms. Well, what, the, what in the devil was that? he asked. What? replied the scientist, who had his back turned to the ghosts. Just then... The other two scientists emerged into the clearing, and the fat scientist said, It was just them. These men perhaps already thought he was crazy, considering the assignment he'd given them. So rather than give voice to what he thought it was, Weston said, uh, Nothing. He finally found his glasses, and when the haunting sounds began again, he did his best to put the fear out of his voice and said, Let's get this over with. They walked quickly with Weston trying to figure out just where they were. It was not an easy task, considering his state of mind and the continuing cacophony of the echoing voices. Suddenly, though, he saw the rocky cliff that he remembered passing a week ago. It's just up here, he said, and as they approached the grove, the sound ceased, to Weston's great relief. They reached the grove, and Weston showed the scientist the knot that was supposedly a man's head living and speaking in a tree. The men stared doing their best to treat this knot in the side of the tree objectively, attempting to keep open to the possibility that the knot was something more than it appeared. So what do we do? asked the fat scientist. Ask it some questions, Wesson said. Here, I'll start. Um, hello, uh, I saw you the other day with your friend, Paul Lucas. Anyway, I brought out some men to ask you some questions. Nothing happened, so Weston continued. Don't worry, they don't have very many questions. Uh, mostly, we just want to verify that you're real. So, if you could just show yourself, we'll be out of your hair in a minute or two. Still, nothing happened. The scientists took turns asking them questions. The questions were broken up by long stretches of silence, where each of the four men wondered how to proceed. Just then, Weston heard a twig snap from the trail behind them, and he and the scientists jumped. They turned around, and into the clearing stumbled Paul Lucas. Hello, Mr. Lucas, Weston said. "'Sorry, did I startle you?' Lucas asked, looking amused. Uh, "'No, no, that's all right,' Weston said. "'Look, 
I know you are passionate about this case, but I'd really like this to be a closed investigation today. I'm just trying to help, Lucas said, and, looking at the knot, added, Looks like you might need it. Well, I suppose it can't hurt to try, Wesson said. I'd hate to think we came all the way out here for nothing. Let's just agree that we won't mention to anybody that you were here with us, Mr. Lucas. Is that okay? Lucas said, No problem, and the scientists all agreed. He began, Hey, Sylvanus, what's up? So the men I told you about are here, and if you'd be so kind as to show yourself, we can all go away and give you some peace and quiet. That's what you want, right? Well, if you show yourself, not only will you get it now, but you'll have it forever, as this forest won't be destroyed. Of course, nothing happened. Weston watched as Lucas shifted nervously from foot to foot. Come on, Sylvanus, Lucas yelled. You've made your point. These men are just trying to do their job, and that job, need I remind you, is to save your forest. Still nothing. Damn it, Lucas screamed, veins on his neck bulging. Weston watched him with concern. While he was reasonably sure he'd seen a man's head in the tree the other day, for the first time, he began to doubt that. Had his eyes tricked him? Yet as he watched Lucas punch the side of a tree, he felt that if there wasn't anything there, Lucas wouldn't be getting so frustrated, would he? You really ought to quit fucking around, Lucas yelled. None of us are fucking around. This is a very serious life-and-death matter. Come on out! It's okay, Mr. Lucas, Weston said. We will come out again. Yes, yes, Lucas said. That would be best. He sleeps a lot, and I must admit, this is not the first time I've come out to chat with him when he wouldn't wake up. I'm really sorry, though. That's okay, Mr. Lucas. Not your fault, Weston said, though he didn't fully mean it. He wasn't sure why Lucas was apologizing. Was his apology his way of expressing some guilt because he had pulled off an elaborate hoax? Weston had to consider the possibility, and as he did so, for the first time, he felt angry at Lucas. After all, this was not only Lucas's reputation at stake, but Weston's too. The newspaper had reported that Weston had saved the decision, and the article gave the impression that he did so because he himself had seen something. How is he going to live that down? Now that said, Weston said, his voice stern now, your tree man has one more shot. Sometime next week, we'll figure out exactly when later. But if he doesn't come out, I'm going to have no choice but to allow the development of this land to go through. Lucas looked at Weston, his big brown eyes pleading with him, and said, You said you saw him. Yes, I did, Weston said, but now I'm not so sure. And besides... I need independent, objective people, like these scientists, to see him. If this thing is real, then there's no reason it can't come out again and prove himself, right? Maybe not, Lucas said. Maybe he doesn't want to come out. Well, Weston said, I'm sorry, but if he wants to save this forest, he's going to have to. One last chance, Mr. Lucas. One more. Lucas hadn't expected Sylvanus to come out, but still, he was frustrated. He knew Sylvanus's plan to convince the animals and spirits of the forest to scare Weston and the scientists was a long shot. He tried to tell Sylvanus that Weston wasn't going to block them all just because the forest was really creepy. In fact, he reasoned, that might make him want to cut it down even more. So Lucas had hoped that Sylvanus would realize that the only way to save the forest would be to reveal himself. Really, what else could they do? As he watched Weston and the scientists walk out of the grove, Lucas decided he needed something to take his mind off his problems. He remembered Larry's call, 
and decided a night out on the town with Larry, where he could drown all of these spinning out of control plots of his life in a large amount of beer and booze would do it. But he'd soon learn that it would take more than booze to take his mind off his troubles. <laughs>